Well, this morning uh, seemed like a typical morning when I woke up. I got up. First thing I did, because the dog was barking, right? Got me up early. So the first thing I did, it was way too early to be getting up. I went right away and started making a pot of coffee. And I got that coffee going, and it brewed hot. And then I poured myself a cup, and then soon enough, the dog had to go out again. So I took the dog out. And when that happened, children started coming out. So we were getting breakfast together. And then by the time I got back to my coffee, what had happened? It was not yet cold. It was lukewarm. Got the lukewarm. And today we're coming into a passage in Revelation where, after just what I said, I'm guaranteeing you that Jesus must have been a coffee drinker. I'm convinced about it. So we'll get there in a second. But uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, we are in the last letter to the churches. There were seven churches that are being written to, and we're going to pick up that last letter uh, as we go. I do want to let you know before we dip in that these sermons are not only available on DVD and CD afterwards, we are putting them on the website. We also want to let you know that we have started a podcast for it. What does a podcast mean? That means you can actually set up on your computer, phone, tablet to have it automatically be sending you the sermons every week. You subscribe to it. And so we'll put that on our website. You can click onto that, whether you have an Android or iPhone or whatever. Every week the sermons can come to your phone. So uh, that is available to you as well if you want to catch up, if you've missed it, or you just want to hear something again, uh, we have those available for you. Let's pray, and then we'll go into the Scriptures. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have together to gather in, in Your Word. Lord, we know that Your Word is special because it reveals You to us in ways that we could not know just for ourselves. And at the same time, it also comes and reveals things about ourselves that we also couldn't know about ourselves. And oftentimes we don't want to know about ourselves. And Lord, today as we come to this passage, and it not only deals with the church at Laodicea, but deals with our hearts, there's going to be things that we find out about ourselves that, that we don't like, and we don't want to change, or we don't want to admit. And Lord, I pray that Your Scripture would press us. Lord, that it would convict us, that it would change us, that it would cause us to come to You in a way that You desire. Not one that we think is okay, but what you think is okay. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time in the Word. Help my mind and my heart and my lips to obey you, Lord, that the Word of God might be preached accurately in the way you want. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, please turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're at the very end. Again, this is the last letter to the churches. There were seven churches that this book of Revelation was being given to. It was a revelation of Jesus Christ that they might know who Jesus was, is, and what he is to come as far as what he's doing and who he is. And so here he writes to the church of Laodicea, and he begins the letter like this. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Each one of these letters has begun with another description of who Jesus is, and not just so that we would know that description, but to say, hey, I have the right to send this letter, and I have a right to examine your church. I'm Jesus. And so this one, if you kind of go backwards in the description that was given to us, it says the beginning of God's creation. The scripture tells us that Jesus was the one who created. He prays to the Father in John 17 and says that he was with the Father before everything was created. And so we know that he is the beginning of the creation because he's God, and before everything was, he was. 
And then he created everything. And so he was there. He was the beginning. And then the passage goes on and says, right there as we go backwards again, the faithful and true witness. So everything that's happened since the beginning, Jesus has been along. He's been true and he's been a witness. He's seen everything all along the way throughout the course of history since creation on through. And then it says that he's also the amen. When you pray, when does the amen come? At the end, right? The scripture tells us that Jesus is the amen. Amen means truly or yes. So when we pray and we say amen, we're saying what I said is true. What I said uh, uh, needs to basically be yes. Lord, we're praying in your name. Amen means in Jesus we trust. He's the end of all things. And so right there, he says, I was there at the beginning. I've been there all the way through as the true witness. And I'm the amen. I'm from beginning to end. I am complete. And now I'm here to give you a letter. He's saying, pay attention. I've seen it all. You know, when you tell your kids and they're up to doing something, you say, hey, I've been around and I know more than you. That's what Jesus is saying. I've been through it all. And now I'm about to tell you what I know and what I know about you. So pay attention. That's how he starts. And he says this to the church at Laodicea. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would the... You were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, that's why I believe Jesus was a coffee drinker. Because when you drink coffee, you either like it really hot and fresh. Or like me in the summer, if I make a pot and I drink the first one hot, I'll turn the pot off and let the whole thing cool down and put it in the fridge. And then later on on the hot day, I'll put it over ice because coffee is good cold, too. It's good either hot or cold. But if you got to take the dog out and you're helping the kids get ready to come back to your cup of coffee, and it's lukewarm. What do you do with it? You sip that and you spit it out. You throw it out into the sink. And that's Jesus's description for you. Pretend that you're his cup of coffee. Okay, Jesus tastes you. He examines you. He looks at you and he he sees what you are like. Are you hot? Are you cold? Or are you that middle ground? He's like, you're just a waste. Right now, you're not amounting to anything. In fact, he hates so much that people are lukewarm. that He says, I'd rather you just be cold. Don't you hate when you hire somebody, you have them over to your house to maybe do some plumbing, dig a ditch or whatever. And you want them to be really good at that, don't you? You want them to do the best job they could possibly do. If they show up to do that job and they're just like, eh, I'll just kind of do it. I'll kind of dig the ditch. I'll kind of fix your plumbing. No. You go get somebody else. You'd rather at the beginning, they would just be honest with you and, and say, you know what, I don't know how to fix plumbing. Well, good, now I know that you're cold. I don't need to call you. The same thing with faith. Jesus would prefer that you would be honest and just say, you know what, I don't believe, and I'm going to let my actions prove that. Or that you would believe and you would be so on fire for Jesus that you would be hot. You would be extreme in your faith. You would have absolute boldness that in every moment of every day you would say, I live for Jesus, and I want Him to know it. I want people to know it. I am hot for Jesus. Jesus says that's what He desires. He wants you to be either hot or cold, lukewarm, he wants to spit you out, Amen. spit you out. And so he says that to the church at Laodicea. They're having a problem with the fact that there's lots of people showing up. There's a church there. They're going to receive a letter. But a lot of them are showing up and they, they're just kind of Christians. They just kind of love Jesus. They're just kind of thankful for his grace. 
do you fit in the kind of category? That's called lukewarm. And Jesus says, man, I wish you would just go one way or the other. Be hot or be cold. Well, how did that happen? And then where do they come to? How, how do they get to the point of being lukewarm? And this is where it becomes very dangerous. It's going to get very personal for you and for me in the next few moments because it's easy to say, well, that's not me. But here is why it happened. It says in 17, for you say, I'm rich and I've prospered and I need nothing. Not actually realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. You see, they were so consumed with things that they could consume. They had so much money. They had so much luxury and so much comfort. They had come to a place where they just coasted. They'd coasted their life into a place of being lukewarm. And they didn't even realize they were there. Jesus is having to examine them and say, I see what you really are. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. How did you get there? You were rich. You said, I don't have need. I've got everything I need. Now, that is convicting to me because of this. We are among the richest people in the world. You can go online and look up World Wealth Calculator. Plug in what you make, even if you're in retirement and getting Social Security. Plug that in, and it'll show you where you are on the scale of the world's wealth. And you might say, yeah, 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 but in other countries, you know, bread doesn't cost as much. No, it's all been, they've done all the calculations to put you at. If you make $30,000 a year, $30,000 a year, you were in the top 6.1% of the world's wealthiest people. That means there is 6.1 billion people not as wealthy as you. Wow. That actually means that you make 30 time times, 39 times more than a billion other people. And you think 39, well, what's that? You know when you see somebody and they're like, it's just lavish, like a lot of you like cars, right? Some of you have multiple cars. I look at Jay Leno. He's got like 130 cars in this garage, you know? People are like, that's extravagant. I don't need that much. Pretend that somebody, one of those billion people, has one car. At the amount of money that you make at $30,000, that means you have 39 cars. Okay, now you tell me that's not being rich. Don't point at Jay Leno and say, what's he doing? We have money. And this is not a sermon about whether it's wrong to be rich and whether it's good to be poor. What Jesus is saying is, as a result of you being rich, you have got so consumed with being rich and so comfortable with being rich, you don't care about me anymore. You're not paying attention anymore. You have relaxed, you're lazy, and now you're lukewarm. What does that have to do with me? Nothing. They got into a dangerous place. And throughout the scriptures, we see that riches are a dangerous place. Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Jesus said it's hard to be rich and to enter the kingdom of God. That means we who may be the 6.1% of the wealthiest in the world are in danger. No one in this room, no one in this room can say, I'm not in danger. You kids last night, when you made that money making those steak dinners, it was delicious, it was for fundraiser, you made more money last night 
than most people will make over a 30-year career. Think about that. We are a rich people. And riches throughout the Scripture, you watch what that did in people's life. And it causes them to compromise and to get lukewarm. Throughout the Scripture, we have Lot's wife. They're being rescued. What she do? Turns around and looks to the things she had. The rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, follow these things. He says, I have done them all. And Jesus says, one more thing have I for you to do. Go and sell all that you have. Give your possessions to the poor and then follow me. And the rich man turned around sad and walked away because he couldn't do it. Paul says there was a guy who was in ministry with him named Demas. He was helping Paul start churches, teach churches. He was in ministry with Paul, the apostle. But you see this man's life, and eventually Paul says about Demas, Demas Demas has left me because he was in love with the present world. You see, we can't just say, yeah, we're in ministry. We can't just say, yeah, we're in the church, and so Jesus must think that's okay. Jesus hates lukewarm. He hates compromise. He hates when we love the world so much that we'll say, I'm a so-so Christian. Are you? Do you have so much that you compromise with Jesus? How do you know that? What's the test? Well, let me ask you this. If Jesus told you to give up everything you have and follow him, would you do that? That's a struggle. Everything you own. You might say, you know, Pastor Jason, you're talking about riches. I, I don't actually have that much, and I'm not actually consumed by riches. What are you consumed by? Because I believe here we are, we are, we are uh, rich in other ways, right? It may not just be financial. Maybe you don't have the highest paying job. But man, you, you are rich with family and tradition. Maybe you are rich with the bounty of your, your produce and farm. You don't have to go buy it, but you just got it. Maybe you're rich uh, just, just with all kinds of things. You're rich with talent. You're rich with this. Would you be willing to say, you know what, if the Lord wanted me to, I could give that all up and I could walk out of Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot. Could you do that? You say, I don't know if I can. Watch out. You might be compromised. You might be headed towards that position of being like a lukewarm cup of coffee. And not only do I not like a lukewarm cup of coffee, Jesus doesn't like a lukewarm Christian. Okay? He says riches, has, they've played a part in bringing you to a place where you don't care as much for me as, as you should. So what's he say? He says, I counsel you, in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Here he's not encouraging them when they become rich with this gold. He's not talking about in this world that he's going to bless you and make you so extremely wealthy that you know, your bank account is full for forever. You're going to be set. What he's saying is he wants the richness of himself in your life. Amen. He is so awesome and so amazing. He's done everything in his power to display his love, grace, and mercy to you. And he wants you to be rich in the things of God. He wants you to be rich in his forgiveness. He wants you to be rich in his peace. He says, I would love to get that for you. I would love for you to know that. 
I would love to make your eyes to see. I would love to heal you where you hurt. I would love to be there for you. Let me. Don't be lukewarm. Come to him. Let him be your God. Amen. If anything's making you a halfway Christian, get rid of it. He says, repent. He goes on here and says in verse 19, what to do? Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the repent, the first thing I want to do is say, I don't need to. There's nothing wrong with me. But it's not for us to say, yeah, I see something wrong with myself. It's for God to come and say, you know, I see something wrong. He's the convictor. He's the standard. He knows. So if, if God comes to you and says, hey, I see something in you, you need to change that. He says, be zealous about that. If you love him, be zealous to say, Lord, I will turn from my sin. Lord, I will turn from my, my so-so life. And I want to be hot because that's what you desire for me. Let me be hot for you. Let me turn from my sin and go to Jesus. <clears throat> Ask him to show you what's in your heart. Because I'm pretty sure all of us, when we came in this morning, and even the, the, the energy that was in this place and the people, we probably wouldn't say, yeah, we're lukewarm. But honestly, we can't look at ourselves and know. Jesus knows. Amen. That's like this morning when I got up, before I got that cup of coffee, I put a shirt on. I was pretty sure it was, you know, not on backwards, you know. The front was in the front and the back was in the back. And so there I go through my morning doing my thing and taking the dog out, getting my coffee, getting ready. And then I go to, to change into my church clothes and I look into the mirror and guess what? All morning I had not recognized that my shirt was inside out. I should have known that because it's a black shirt with a big white logo on the front from something like that is something that should be pretty easy for me to see in the morning. And it wasn't until there was something that was reflecting myself, showing me myself that I realized I'm not right. <laughs> you know, this needs to be changed. And until the Lord comes to you and shows you yourself and gives you a, a, the best view in your heart and said, no, you are lukewarm. You're not hot for me. He's the only one who can put that true mirror and say, you got the shirt on inside out. You're actually wearing filth and rags before me. You need to change your clothes. <laughs> and what he wants to do there is he wants to refine you. He said he wants to put white garments on you that are, that are acceptable. It's like going into the Valentine's banquet yesterday. People came in and they wore, they wore acceptable clothing. I had shoes on in case they said, you can't wear those shoes. Those probably aren't acceptable. My red converse, you know. <laughs> I wanted to wear it. She said, no, this is too fancy for that. <laughs> and in God's presence, he says he'll clothe you with everything necessary to be right in his presence, to worship him. Amen. And so as he reflects and shows you where you're turned all about, and you're lukewarm, and you need to repent, be zealous and say, okay, clothe me, wash me, cleanse me, be my God, make me hot, like, make me live for you. <clears throat> he doesn't tell you to necessarily get rid of all your money, and he doesn't tell you to make more. What he's saying is, let you be his completely. And then the way he tells you to live your life with your money and everything else, Live for him hot. Amen. The way you do church, live for him hot. The way you parent, live for him hot. The way you serve at the church, live 
for him, hot. The way you deal with your neighbors, the waitress, the way you give your money away, deal with Jesus hot. Do whatever he asks you to do. And don't let anybody, or Jesus especially, come up and say, oh, I didn't know you were a lukewarm Christian. Let people know, hey, that guy is on fire for the Lord. Most of all, let Jesus know that you're with him and you're hot. He says here, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. This morning, you might be pushing away and saying, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't want my life to be disrupted. I got other things on my plate right now. I'm dealing with this and it's actually hard. It's an issue. And, you know, I just don't have time to get into what you're saying. No, make time. Jesus says here, hey, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone would come and open the door and let me in, I'm going to come in and I'm going to have this intimate relationship. You will be whole. Whatever you're dealing with, I'll be there with you in that. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you need to do in your life, whatever he's going to have you do, it's better to have him in your company so that he can care for you and help you deal with those things than to be doing it alone and be pitiful and blind and wicked and wretched. Amen. This morning, I have no doubt that Jesus is standing here knocking on a lot of your doors, on your heart. Amen. A lot of people will talk about that passage that it's just for non-Christians. He's writing this to a church. Amen. These are people that should have already let him into their heart to be intimate with him, but is he coming to you because you haven't been? Is He coming to you because you've been lukewarm? Is He coming to you because He showed you this morning that what He demands, you're not giving up? He stands there and He knocks. You got somebody who comes to their house and they knock on that door? Do you go open it? You go look and see who it is, right? You open the door? It's rude to just have them keep standing there knocking, right? Don't be rude to the Lord. You stand there knocking. You see that that's Him knocking on your soul. You open that door. Let Him into your heart. Do it now while you're rich. You may be coasting. Life is good. You've been blessed. If He's knocking and saying, Hey, I've got a warning sign for you. Open that door today. You know why? The stuff of this world the riches, the cars, the houses, the green grass, it might go away. Amen. Some of you would say, well, I don't depend on those things. Maybe you're dependent too much on other relationships. You've got a wife, maybe who's left you, a boyfriend who's dumped you. You've got somebody who's died. And you put all your stability onto that person. You said, I'm fine. And then they took off. And where are you at now? Jesus will never, ever leave you. And if you're in one of those situations where suddenly you're in an earthquake and you feel devastated, I guarantee you Jesus is knocking on your door right now. Let Him in right now. And say, Lord... I repent. I give you my life again. 
I ask for forgiveness again. I want you to fill me. I want you to warm me up. I want you to take me and stick me in the microwave and punch a thousand minutes if you need to. You make me hot for you, Lord. Make me trust you, Lord. Come and be with me, Lord. He will never leave you or forsake you. Ever. Jesus gives a parable of a rich man who said, I'm just going to keep storing up the things of this world. I'm going to put them in storehouses just to tide me over to be comfortable. It says, the Lord came to him that night and said, you fool, tonight I'm going to demand of you your life and you stored up all that stuff for nothing. Somebody else is going to spend your riches, but you don't know me. In your richness, friends, don't get comfortable. Get on your knees. Open that door. So Jesus finishes by saying this. The one who conquers, that's somebody who's asked Jesus to forgive their sins. He's conquered their sins by His blood. He's washed them. They're living in victory with Jesus. The one who conquers, He says, I will grant Him to sit with Me on My throne as I also conquered and sat down with My Father on His throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's, uh, that means that what Jesus is saying to Laodicea, let you hear it too because you've got ears. That if you conquer, if you're with Jesus and He's washed you clean and you have victory over death by His resurrection, then guess what? He's going to have you sit with Him. Amen. He's going to have you right in His lap for all of eternity. And He's right there with the Father. What you get is the best. Don't settle for something less. <laughs> Don't settle for this world. Don't settle for just the pleasures of your heart. It'll kill you. Amen. And I don't just mean... This life when you stop breathing and Alan has to come get you. What I mean is you will die a death of separation from God forever. You will not be with Him. You'll be done. Destroyed. Better to give up this world and your desires now and say, Lord, make me yours. Make me hot. Let me live for you. This morning, there's none of us who are exempt. Life's going good, get on your knees. Life stinks right now, get on your knees. But you might be in the hardest of situations where you say, life's not way up here and it's not way down here, I'm just kind of here. Get on your knees. Go to the Lord in zealous repentance and say, Lord, make me hot. Be mine. Please forgive me of my sins. So, Father, today we come to you. And we often ask for your blessing and hope that that will end up being the American dream. We know from a fact from your word that a blessing from you means forgiveness. That a blessing from you means grace and mercy. A blessing from you means a continued revelation of Yourself that You might encourage us and remind us of Your faithfulness and that You've got everything in control. So Father, we ask for that blessing. And You promised 
those in Laodicea upon repentance, Lord, as you discipline and reprove from your love, that as you correct them, that you would give them the things necessary to heal them, Lord, that you would give salve for their eyes, that you would give healing to their hearts, that you would dress them in holiness, Lord, that you would refine them in fire because you love them. And so, Lord, we are asking for that same thing, Lord. Make us to see what you see. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. Help our hearts to be cleansed and for us to stay holy. Help us to be on fire, Lord. We ask that you would cause us to look like Christians. And we pray that you'd help us to stop playing the game. That we would not think that just because we showed up at church or that we live in a so-called Christian country or we're, we're voting for a Christian candidate, Lord, that, that those things amount to us somehow being better in your sight, but that as you view us and you tell us that we're goofing off, that you would help us to repent. That we might, we might receive the blessing, not of something in this world, but the blessing of you. And so, Lord, where I've sinned, I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. And Lord, we're for my brothers and sisters where they have sinned. We ask for forgiveness, Lord. And where we together as a church have fallen into a place of complacency and so-so living and lukewarm Christianity, Lord, we pray that you would cause us to get hot for you. You desire, Lord, that we'd be either hot or cold. And so, Lord, I pray that you would cause that to happen in this church. That we would have no one lukewarm. That people would either go hot for Jesus or go cold and admit it. And eventually, Lord, I pray that even in that coldness that you would bring those people around to a full faith. But we do know that this morning that many come with burdens and things upon their hearts that are too heavy to bear themselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come and, and lift up those hearts to yourself. That even in the midst of this, that you would show them that in these matters, life is better with you than not. That you will be there each and every day, each and every moment. We thank you, Lord, because you're faithful. You are the true witness. You are the beginning of creation and you are the amen. And so, Jesus, it is in your name that we ask all these things. Amen.